This is Shaka Wart Speak. So I feel like it's really important to start this episode with a slight callback to a previous episode. Which yeah. is? Which is that a little while ago, Gareth was talking about how if you toast two pieces of bread and then make a sandwich with the crunchy side <laughs> going in towards your fillings, yeah, then it has that crunch, mm-hmm. but it doesn't destroy the roof of your mouth. Yeah. I did that recently. Mm-hmm. It was magnificent. I'm glad you did that because it literally is uh, design in action, which is I have a thing I want to do. Here's a problem. I need to mitigate the problem through some idea. I'm about to do that with some Mexican pizzas today. <laughs> I'm going to take two Mexican pizzas, <laughs> put the insides together. And then I'm going to open up two bean burritos <laughs> and put those on top of both sides. Mm. So it softens the crunch up. Dude. <laughs> and I've got my own Taco Bell crunch wrap. Dude. Oh, man. That sounds. You might need to start a business doing that. Yeah. That sounds like a food truck thing. Yeah. <laughs> Probably should have just done food, man. I'd just talk about it and, you know, eat with my friends. It's like the same thing, you know. It's the same thing. Same thing. Same thing as what we're doing now. It's yeah, not yeah. any different. It really is. You know, the whole Make art with like... and for your friends. That's and right. Go and make then get more friends. friends. Yeah. Go yeah. make some more friends. Uh, eat food party uh, with and for your friends and yeah. then go find more food. Eat more food. <laughs> food is your friend and eat it. I think I think friends. the way it goes is make food for your friends and then go make more friends. That's what it would be. I mean, yeah, I guess you could go that way too. I still like the idea of go eat more food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> who doesn't like the idea of go eat more there's food? There's a, I'm, you know, every episode this this <laughs> presents itself as an opportunity, but there's yeah. a reason why Gareth and I are more focused on eating than Cody. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we we hear things differently. <laughs> <laughs> Especially so, right now. Tell uh, me about that Mexican pizza abomination. Yeah. Go on. Go on. <laughs> Apparently it's back today. <laughs> well, I think it's, you know, it's actually kind of, well, by the way, welcome to Shuggle Speak. Yeah. We're welcome. glad you're here. Um, but also I think it's fitting that we kind of, kind of started in a very organic way like this uh, because we are talking about something that's about ideas, new ideas and how things grow and how they change. So, um, we're kicking off a new series that's going to be great because we're going to be inviting a lot of people into the studio. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to have a series of, of uh, interviews with all kinds of folks within uh, the larger umbrella of art and design and making. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, we've always talked about like the ecosystem, right? That it's here that we have a tendency to kind of get into our little bubbles, right? So it's like I'm, I'm a painter with my painters. I'm a designer with my designers, um, you know, whatever it may be. Um, and forget like just the kind of um, art and design that's in so many other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and we talked a few episodes back about how, you know, that idea of art and design and making and everything else has been really fractured, uh, especially in the last couple hundred years. Um, and so we want to just, you know, dive into that and show like some of the similarities in different places, even though uh, there are going to be a lot of folks that you might scratch your head at first and be like, huh. Mm-hmm. Why are they on the podcast? But you'll see. It makes sense. So I haven't even talked about what our topic is, though. Yeah. So our topic is going to be the series. Topic, the topic is the series will be entrepreneurship in general, like broad yes. umbrella of being entrepreneurial, whether that's personally in your studio or, you know, collectively with a group trying to, you know, buy a building or, you know, start a business or, you know, um, and re- what, what we want to do is kind of really see where, you know, we're, we're not... Um, we think that there are through threads, mm-hmm. but we want to invite people in and listen to if or what those are. And then also where are the departures? It'll be, I think it'll be interesting 
to learn from each other. And th- and the the idea is that as this series progresses, and there'll be back to back episodes, and then there'll be times where we we have a pause, mm-hmm. uh, depending on when a guest is coming in, and we've got some other series we want to start. So when as this unfolds, I think what you'll find is a lot of through threads mm-hmm. and generative opportunity uh to imagine for yourself who who's in your neighborhood who's in your city you know who's in your um purview yeah. that you hadn't thought of working with that you may think of working with like how do you how do you work together to get things off the ground um to what end and these collections of stories will be helpful you'll have people that are in process you'll have people that have been doing it for years you'll have People that are like, um, you know, one of the uh, upcoming episodes will focus on like some of the, st- the challenges of working through ideas that don't materialize right away, mm-hmm. but are nonetheless important to to stay with and, and carry through to to um, realization. So I think it's going to be I think it's going to be the hope is that it's it's helpful um, through the, through the diversification of, of the kinds right. of people we bring on. Yeah, and I think, you know, you, you also probably could have left a space in there when we said after we said entrepreneurship because there may have been like some audible size or eye rolling in your yeah. studio and i get that i get that a lot i rolled um, my eyes when i said it <laughs> i was like we're talking about entrepreneurship and i've made fun of that for years and the thing is like it's, it's one of those buzzwords right it's a buzzword like it's uh it's it's not it's not not a thing yeah right but uh, i think that if you're around certain spaces um especially if you um, maybe share the same viewpoint of like influencer culture as I do. Mm-hmm. Um, you probably are like, oh, yeah, entrepreneurs. Um, but I think the the place to start is really when you hear entrepreneur, you think you hear secretly in there the word manure, and then yeah. you're like, that stinks. Yeah, when I hear entrepreneur, I just think of like uh, some broy dude like crashing on somebody's couch for a few months <laughs> and be like, I'm an entrepreneur, <laughs> and like, then he oh, becomes a millionaire, <laughs> and then he becomes a millionaire, but he still sleeps on your couch. Yeah, and then like, he steals on. Facebook from his roommate, and he yeah. makes billions of dollars. Yeah, yeah it's exactly. easy to hear entrepreneur as unemployed. Yeah, it really is, and I think that's. <laughs> but you have that picture right. It's almost it's the same like, thing as when someone says they're an actor. All you hear is waiter. Yeah, <laughs> and it's server. Like, the cultural substitution. Yeah. This word means that. But I would say, you know, when when we talk about entrepreneurship, like the the idea of the entrepreneur, like in our culture, really does have two very different. Uh, it's 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 almost a polemic of itself. Yes. Where it's like, oh, you're either like, like, an Uber driver who spends five minutes a week doing your thing you know, launching your hustle, mm-hmm. being an influencer, doing whatever you think you're doing, or you're Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. And I think that, you know, if, if there's anything I would, I would like to think that we do somewhat well, um, I'd like to think that our conversations help to demystify yeah. a lot of things yeah, yeah. and say it's not, it's actually, both of those things are probably somewhere in the mix, but it's not the way that it plays out the majority of the time. Yeah. yeah it's not the only thing at all. No, not at and all. And there's fresh way. It's always like, re, it's like um, low key, another rethink. It's like, you know, if we had to say it a different way, it'd be like rethink Mm -hmm. um, entrepreneurship. Uh, Yeah, and I think, you know, I mean, I think maybe the, I don't know if you got some stuff you want to add into this like intro section, Cody, or if you want to, if we want to jump, jump, jump into kind of, uh, I feel like where we usually start in these conversations is the, what is it? What is it? Yeah. We just Mm -hmm. give the big terrain. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, this is definitely going to be a shorty intro episode where you know so yeah yeah we're get, setting get some up those categories that's right to help us understand. we really want to hear from people we, want, yes. we don't want you to just hear from us yeah and i think that'll be the helpful thing about having the the interviews coming in because 
in some ways it's not as much rethink entrepreneurship as much as like entrepreneurship is happening in real ways. Um, and so we would, we just want to hear those real ways that it actually yeah. is happening mm-hmm. um, and do that demystification process. And of course that might cause rethink, but it, the people yeah, who me, are yeah. doing entrepreneurship, you know, they don't necessarily need to rethink it because they're actually doing it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And we wouldn't be able to learn from them and hear from them. Also, I think the, the thing about entrepreneurship, why we'd even care about talking about it is twofold. One is that, you know, as as artists and designers and makers, we're generally involved in this mm-hmm. as a general practice. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's part and parcel to what we do at some level. So while we may not consider ourselves entrepreneurs and maybe like the, you know, tech, business, whatever sort yes. of space, um, we are still engaging in the same practices to some level that an entrepreneur does. Um, so we have to understand like, oh, well, maybe I'm actually that. Mm-hmm. So we do these things already. Um, and I think, you know, another part is is really that when we, when we talk about something like entrepreneurship, it helps us to understand uh, more and more what people are doing and how they're doing it and create a better community dialogue in terms mm-hmm. of how things work. Because uh, some folks might be doing it in a way that you really think is great. Uh, some people may not. Uh, but but if we can kind of open the conversation a bit more and say there's a lot of people at the table really having the same experiences, walking into the same stuff, uh, it helps us to, to kind of have spaces where we can say, well, I got a question here. I got a question there. Or, hey, I, I did this thing. I, this yeah. idea I did. It'd be great to share. Um, because we tend to be very um, protective mm-hmm. of the things or the ways we do the things we do. Uh, within a creative space because we think that the process is like the patentable sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So if you do my process, you'll have the same exact results, and that's not the case. Yeah. Um, so also, man, I think that, yeah, I think that the other part of that is like opening up the fact that there is a cross-section of people that are non-starters, and mm-hmm. what they have is a good idea or an idea that is untested, and yeah. you can't test it by letting it sit in your head. You you actually have to do something and, totally. and find out what it does. Mm-hmm. And and that means that um, the actuality will often not be quite what you expected yeah. is, as a concept in, in the ideation phase. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the necessity of getting things going in actuality um, can be winding and non-linear sometimes, oh yeah, and 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 then and therefore feel less under your control, um, and possibly can lead you somewhere that you didn't expect. And I expect that we will find stories like that. Oh yeah, uh, and I think I think that's always the difference maker between the starter and the non-starter. Yeah, I've got um, a friend who always describes the past um, as a squiggly straight line, mm-hmm. and uh, and you know you've yeah, probably heard the concept right um, where. You look back and you're like, oh, well, it makes sense how I got here, good or bad. It makes sense how I got here mm-hmm. with the things that are going on. Um, and you can look back and be like, but it feels all over the place. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, just the three of us in this room, if we think about like, oh, where did our ideas of what we'd be doing when we were like 12, 13, 14, 15, mm-hmm. what were they? And now where are we? And then we considered that squiggly straight line and then the implications it has for the rest of our lives. Um, I like the idea of a squiggly straight line because it's not, it's not a right or wrong. Like it's like, Oh, I, I did this thing wrong. It's that it is a journey that sometimes, you know, there's backpedaling, you know, there's sometimes switching back. There's sometimes going forward. Um, but it's not one of these things where we need to try to figure out, well, what's the best linear sort of like, how do I get from point A to point B as the crow flies and not worry about like, 
the interruptions or the start stops and starts in, in between. Yeah. There's within entrepreneurship, there's an embracing of those ideas. And we get that at a maker level, mm-hmm. right? Because if you were like, I'm making a painting, a sculpture, I'm doing some woodworking, I'm doing design, you wouldn't say, I need to set the brush to canvas and immediately get to completion. Mm-hmm. We, we'd be like, that's a dumb way to do it. That's not how creativity works. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, same applies in entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. It's always squiggly straight because you don't get to a point by like stopping and ripping it up and starting again. Sometimes you are just painting over and redoing. But for the most part, you're just doing a continuation of something, whether it's forward or back yeah. at any given time. Yeah. 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 I love uh, that phrase, as the crow flies, because there's an aloofness to it yeah. that I think a lot of times um, people can maybe approach the idea of entrepreneurship where they think it's just going to be, here's where I am, and I'm just going to sort of cruise it a thousand feet over everything and then kind of land exactly where I'm imagining. Mm-hmm. The thing about that squiggly straight line, if we really sort of press into the geographical metaphor if you're on the ground and you're navigating the terrain of the geography sure you may not be able to go point a to point b as the crow flies but you might run into all sorts of different resources and different people on the ground and communities and uh types of timber that you can use you know waterways with fish like you'll have that experience as you're geographically navigating between point a and point b and all those things you're coming into contact with may greatly enrich what you have by the time you're getting to point B. Whereas if you were just flying it over at all, you'd never have those interactions. That's a good point. Yeah. And it's, and it's, um, it's just typically not true for most people that, that it works that way. Oh yeah. So it, it's just typically not true. Um, and I think, I think for me, the reason why we would do this is because, because, I just keep coming back to the fact that um, the strongest point that I, I would want to make in all of this is like there is a marked difference between those that take risks and those that don't. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Um, and 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 I don't just mean I think there's variegation and complexity and nuance to like risk taking. So I'm not I'm not saying willy nilly, but but I'm saying that um, I've known a lot of non-starters. Mm-hmm. Just and I, I have non started on things as much oh, as yeah. I've started things. So like within myself even. Um but it's it's monumentally distinct. It's like a really strong so there's a lot of people that posture as entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. And that's why you would say things like, Oh, the guy on the couch. Yeah, yeah. It's the person who who conceptualizes the the life to the point that the conceptualization is the life for them. Yeah, totally. So so there's something else going on there. And then there's a lot of times like a, like a, a kind of a resentment uh, from the larger majority, which is typically the non-starter, for the ones that start. They yeah, become yeah. Uh, bitter and, and also critical of the starter or the one who does. Yeah, and, and they got say, ideas. Yeah. And the other way around is like there's also the, the issue like there is a tendency, like why the guy on the couch might be like a stereotype is because there's an, an understanding or a thought that like if you are within an entrepreneurial space, there's like a cultural capital there, yeah. right? People like, we're in a period of time in the last 20, 25 years where people are like, oh, that's like a really cool thing. Yep. Um, because now, some of our most famous public figures are that. Oh yeah, I mean, 100%. I mean, you're looking ever since like the 1980s, like if you look at the people who are kind of like always mentioned, mm-hmm. they're entrepreneurial people. Um, I mean, it goes way back before that as well. But, but I mean, I we just, weren't having this conversation in like the early 1800s where people are like, man, did you see that uh, John over there started another 
general store. That's pretty amazing. Wouldn't you want to do that? They're yeah. like, no, I'd like to, you know, grow some food and build my house. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. But I'll just say like observationally, we care way more about what Elon Musk tweets than Brad Pitt right now. Yeah, that's real. And historically, like you don't have to roll the clock back too far for us to be a society that cared a lot more about what people like Brad Pitt thought. Mm -hmm. um, that's, it's a good point. Well, I think, I mean, you know, within all this, I think we've got some general terrain, but uh, maybe we can just start with like the the dictionary definition and start to pull some of that stuff right. apart. You got um, it. Yeah, it's it's because uh, I don't got it. It's super super dry. Uh, so entrepreneurship is the creation or extraction of economic value. Whoa. That's it. Wow. That is a that is dry as a piece of toast. <laughs> it is. That's dry and, and and it's got a it's uh, flammable. It is that because it's right creation or moment. extraction. And I think that there's some things there. Um, so there's implications within that sentence, right? Mm -hmm. Very succinct, very dry <laughs> sentence. Um, Sounds like it was written by an economist. Yeah, I mean, it, or a bot. Well, I mean, we're gonna get there's gonna there's an economist I'm gonna bring up later. So we we'll <laughs> we'll get to that. There's some fun stuff there. But so creation or extraction of economic value. Um, so there's some implications there uh, that are we live within um, within a, a space and time in which economic value is a thing. All right, so we understand that. We also live within a space and time in which that value can be created or extracted. Mm -hmm. So that means that somewhere that there is there is uh, explicit value and mm -hmm. there is implicit value as well. So we could say that going back to you know previous episodes we've, we've talked about, there is an abundance of value built in to the world that surrounds us. Um, and entrepreneurship is one way that we tap into that value, and it is that we tap into it through economic means. Mm -hmm. So, want to hear this as a sliver because I know that you know within art and design we are we are typically a group that is a bit more averse to things like capitalism, mm -hmm. um, the the trappings of it, also the really large, gross downfall sections of capitalism. Um, but I don't. I don't want us to deal with that conversation. Mm -hmm. I want us to be more in the space where we're understanding, like, the positivistic view of like what it looks like to extract or create economic value, um, and to start that conversation by saying uh, none of us have a problem with this. None of us have an actual problem with it. Uh, we have a problem with some of the ways it plays out, but we don't have a problem with it because you're okay going to a restaurant and buying food. You're okay selling your work to somebody and getting that money. You're okay paying for your house. You're okay doing a number of things that are economic transactional. Or you're like, you know, you're things. okay with um, paying a fee and submitting your portfolio to a grant mm -hmm. and soliciting other people's support. And then the grant picks you yeah. and gives you cash to go do more of what you want to do. Yeah. And we have like a million things like this that we're okay with. Um, which, you know, is just, it, I think it's just part of the conversation that has to be had to sure. get us on the same place where it's like, don't, don't blunt yourself or turn off just because we're talking about something that has an economic tie in. Um, or that it, or that uh, entrepreneurship plays itself out best uh, in capitalist societies, mm -hmm. which we can talk about later with certain things. But um, yeah, that entrepreneurship is, is something that um, makes sense within the world that we live in. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it would not exist. Yeah. So I don't know where you want to go with that. 
Where do you want to go with that? I was sort of thinking about the creation extraction portion um, mm. and just parsing out. So creation, well, maybe extraction is a better place to start because it would be more centralized. So by extraction, the definition is saying that there is value in the world in objects or things unto themselves. And extraction is just sort of lifting that value out of a circumstance. You know, we think of us like mining gold. Yeah. So gold has value in and of itself. So all we're doing is we're just lifting that thing out of its where we find it originally. And then the thing itself has the value. Mm-hmm. As opposed to creation, which if you pit it against extraction is sort of like a combinatoric. It's what you're saying is, we're taking disparate things that may not have value in and of themselves as we understand them, but when we combine them in a certain way, it produces a new type of value. Or even uh, on that, to go and say, not just they didn't have value in themselves, but these two things had value and have never been combined in this way. Okay. Yeah, I would always, so I'm always starting with this, I was going to say the exact same thing. I'm always starting with the, I'm always working with the, the assumption that, um, I mean, I'm thinking about weeds, and I'm like, eh, weeds don't have that much value. The, the 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 functionality of weeds is to is to slap me in the face with, hey, you need to care for the land, and <laughs> knock those things back. So their their inverse utility is like, <laughs> their presence says I've been absent. Um, but the <laughs> the um, if you start with everything has value, then the question becomes to whom and to what end. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and that uh, is interesting in light of extrusion. Um, some things, some things like you know, like you, I, this is this doesn't work. But you know, you take you take the husk off and you pull the corn out. Mm-hmm. The husk is necessary uh, for a time until the corn is. You can yield the crop. There are embedded potentiality. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's embedded potentiality in, in reality that uh, requires both lifting, extruding, and, and then um, forming and you know, um, working out. And then at the, at the kind of like ground level of like local culture, city, you know, sometimes it's, it's uh, re-inhabiting a space and redeeming a space that's been dilapidated or it's, mm-hmm. you know, so, that, so there's these um, kind of uh, first things uh, a, a kind of first things way of understanding what we're doing, mm-hmm. and I mean the the, the person who the per, the person who discovered pigment, yeah, like wh- whoever that group was or whoever, like there is an entrepreneurial spirit in that, um, and that means that there is a frequency of contact with the ground mm-hmm. to know or start to discover. You know, pushing it around in your hands, maybe they're near some clay near, yeah. and they're clothing got stained and you go, Oh my gosh. And you wipe it on a rock and it stays on the rock. And you know, you're just, there's a discovery mode, um, with the latent potential. And that starts to then become like, um, tangibilized enough to generate a new possibility. Like I could make something with this that can do this thing. Um, and then that can turn into like, I could make something with this to do this thing that actually, uh, someone needs or wants, mm-hmm. um, and off to the races, right? And so we're knee deep in, you know, we're eons deep into that. Oh yeah. Um, and so the it's it's not even a. I think in some ways, I think uh, 
gosh, not to be a rambler like I am, but there's two things I'm imagining. One is it's difficult for for real entrepreneurship to happen because I think there's a kind of pseudo entrepreneurship that drowns out real needs, yeah. real things to bring to bear mm-hmm. with people wanting the identity benefits of being an entrepreneur. Yeah. And so so there's there's weeds and there's cha- you know like wheat and chafe kind of growing up together. Mm-hmm. How do you get to the the good stuff, right? Um, yeah, because I mean, there's things where I mean, I'm thinking about um, a lot of, of like businesses or services that kind of position themselves as like, uh, you know, you're the business owner. And it's like, but you're not right. So like, multi level marketing is not entrepreneurship. Yeah, right. That's that's you working for someone else. Mm-hmm. Right. That and so my Who maybe isn't paying you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and the same thing applies for like a, a lot of other kind of like sharing services. So if you think about stuff like Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, you know, Grubhub, things like that, like that's not entrepreneurship. Just because you're kind of the one sort of calling the shots because you get to pick when you do or yeah, don't. Yeah, you have do a lot it. of a, it's just because you've been given more autonomy over a wider right. range of space. Yeah. So it doesn't, you know, and that, and I've seen commercials lately, even where they're, where the implication is heavily like, hey, what's up? We're empowering you. You're an entrepreneur. It's like, no, you're not. Yeah. You're employing me. Yeah. The entrepreneur was the one that decided to make Lyft. Right. That yeah. was the entrepreneur. Exactly. And so if somebody, and then somebody was like, well, you know what I could do while I'm driving Lyft? I could take somebody some food they ordered. Yes. And it's like, boom. Now what yeah. we've done is we've we've created a space where something that is a need and something that's happening can mm-hmm. go together and make something new. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, nobody would say like, hey, I work at, I work at Kroger. I'm an entrepreneur. It's like, no, you're not. You're a cashier. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. like, and that's fine. And you but might yeah, be entrepreneurial mean, in your spirit, right? So you may have some other things going on. You may be forming. You may be the unyieldable corn to the husk that is working in this mm-hmm. particular store. Yeah, but your work at Kroger is not. But it's not. Yeah, the work is not itself. But it, yeah. you know, and so it's it. That's like self identification. And the same can go into, um, you know, like we talked about earlier. Like a lot of us are doing this sort of thing within the arts, but it doesn't mean that you necessarily are. I yeah. Mean, you know, it's um, you know, if, if I'm if I'm employed by a company as a designer, like I'm I'm not being entrepreneurial in that work, mm-hmm. but I may have like a side hustle or something I'm doing that is. Yeah. Um. So it's helpful to kind of realize the distinction that it's not like I'm an entrepreneur and I have categorically comp- like <laughs> compiled this image for myself, and so no matter what I do, it's entrepreneurship. It's like no, no. It's like these are like discrete and specific sort of actions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. And if you don't overly attached personal value to it, then you can be totally comfortable with some people being entrepreneurs and some people being employees. Yeah. Because it's it's not a diss on someone to be a good employee who's working for an entrepreneur who is bringing a lot of value to what someone else has started and growing it and making it stronger and better. Um, You know, we, I think part of the sort of, sort of individual autonomous desire to self-validate pressure that our cultural moment has means that we see entrepreneurs as people who are self-validating their desires on the mm-hmm. world and and exercising a type of control over their life and possibly control over other people depending on yeah how you're thinking about it and so we just automatically want to say well it's it's better to be an entrepreneur mm-hmm. um and everyone a, else is just a, kind of a sheeple yeah because yeah. the connotations that come with entrepreneur is agency and freedom as a as a 
an individual. Yeah, it's the, um, like four hour work week. It's the you know designing, yeah. d- defining your own existence and a lot of those sort of things. Um, but again, that's only a very slim. That's a sliver of population. Of I do think, in, on average, studio artists are entrepreneurs in the sense that typically, if you're a studio artist, you you have taken the plunge to kind of work for yourself in that sense. Oh yeah, and, yeah. And the, and that that would be like that, you know. So for me, that was the difference between working in illustration when I first started, and then moving into a more um, uh, not a client based relationship. Mm-hmm. And so so you're I went from reacting to um, request and, um, other people's, uh, concepts to generating my own concepts mm-hmm. without requests or, or no one inside actually like assuming that if I generate this thing and, and I'm not assigning a value to those, I think they're, I think those are two key, um, modes of operating for, for creative makerly people yeah. that are both equally important and necessary in the greater ecosystem. Um, and so in this conversation, it's going to, it's interesting because you're going to have that. You're going to have people that are, are, uh, studio artists that are entrepreneurial inherent to their studio practice and it's generated things mm-hmm. or it, you know, whether it's the work or the work plus other opportunity, like that's a, that's a, a thing about visual artists is often they're very industrious and very, um, generative to community building. Uh, artists have, have typically historically been really good at, um, convening people um around a set of ideas and values uh beyond merely just their own studio practice that there is a rich history of that almost like it's like a default reality that happens when enough uh committed artists uh, are around and they're like-minded um and so yeah i think one of the things for me that i love about what we've done over the years and what we're going to be doing is making these um getting all these folks to sit at the table together and say, how, how, how do we not like, how do I work with the illustrator? And as opposed to be like, you know, as the, if I'm, if I'm, you know, in the studio and I'm the heroic painter in the studio and I'm poo pooing the, the illustrator, or I'm the illustrator who poo poos the, the painter. Like, it's like, you know, again, how do we stop doing that? Well, yeah. make room for the baker who's going to sit at the table with you. Who's launched a business down the street mm-hmm. and make room for, you know, like, and keep going. Like, the um, property developer who's thinking uh, in spatial terms and thinking about generating opportunities for small businesses or, or people to have a place to live and mm-hmm. wants to work with people who have visual categories and vision, like make room for, for um, the spectrum of people that you assume or even take for granted mm-hmm. in order to be in your studio yeah. making your work. And I think I think that would be one of the the big outcomes of this conversation would be to kind of demystify and reorient towards, I think something that actually looks more um, plausible uh, so that artists, you know, selfishly from my standpoint, like so that visual artists aren't living and dying um, at the expense of their own brush, so to speak, Mm -hmm. but are also sitting at a richer table with more possibility for themselves and for each other by, by like, by truly being inclusive, mm-hmm. you know, um, with an, with an eye towards how society flourishes and how opportunity generates, and yeah, I don't want to get into gentrification, but yeah, um, well, one thing that it, it points back to the squiggly straight idea, mm-hmm. um, because um, we we like to think that everything is very like uh, super progressive, right? We are throwing out the old with the better and replacing yeah. the better, right? So so we think that so we set up these categorical imperatives. 
we're like, this has to be the case. This has to be the case. These things have to be nullified. These things have to be negated. Um, instead, of, instead of understanding that time is a lot more fluid mm-hmm. um, and a lot less binary than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you look at it, like if, if you take like stages of economic development uh, throughout history, the way that people have kind of defined them, you have, you know, uh, commodity, good service experience, mm-hmm. like, and those are sort of the, the things. And when, when you talk about this, it's not that commodities were replaced by goods and goods were replaced by services and services were replaced by experiences. It's more like a layer cake. Yeah. Like at one point we had a single layer cake and now we've got this four layer cake. None of the layers are, are, are are disequal, Mm -hmm. right? There's not an inequality that's happening, happening there. Um, but it's that they're there and almost like you can kind of stack those layers. You can still have like just the commodity thing, which Mm -hmm has a very negative connotation as a term within the arts because uh, we think of it as just a thing, um, which we should because I don't think that the commodification of the arts is a good thing. Um, and, and instead, the arts produces goods mm-hmm. that have tangible benefit to people. Um, and so when we think about, even go back to the idea of like extraction and creation, like the idea of extraction is, is commodity, mm-hmm. right? So I can still go buy 100 acres somewhere buy some machinery, cut down the trees, mill them, and sell them, I can still do entrepreneurship within a commodity. Um, in the same way, I can just create experiences. I can go and do some like uh, like escape room or something. I can go start one of those, and the only thing you're doing is coming in for an aesthetic experience, mm-hmm. right? So all of those different actions are there. Um, so it's also helpful to think about the broad range of the ways in which we can enter into entrepreneurship. Yeah. Um, that it doesn't just have to be like a, oh, you're, you're like bum rushing the public with an unnecessary thing yeah. um, that's going to be hijacked for something just like improper, illicit, it's mm-hmm. going to degrade, wh- whatever it mm-hmm. is, right? That doesn't have to be the mindset of it. Entrepreneurship is not automatically avant-garde. No. It doesn't it's also to. not automatically venture capitalism. No, not at all. Think- it can be super low-key. I mean, you talk yeah. about like, I mean... We can, in the same breath, decry something like entrepreneurship and then be like, but have you seen this new local uh, coffee shop? Have you seen this mom and pop uh, concrete company? You know, and you're like, that's entrepreneurial. Yeah. You know, that's that's what's up. And um, I think that it's one of those things where um, we just have to realize the difference uh, between what we think and what is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of had a, when we were talking earlier about the definition of entrepreneurship, the definition that I had come up with in my head was the creative use of available resources to generate new goods and services and possibly institutions. Mm. Um, Because I was thinking, I was like, you know, when you have um, people who open like a restaurant, they're not inventing a new category of thing. No, food's been here for a minute. Yeah, and the idea of restaurants have been here. but. Within a certain localized space with available resources, that person could be creatively using the available resource to, to bring something new to their community that wasn't there before. Yeah. Um, and so I really appreciate that breakdown of sort of the different layers of the cake because I think that's an excellent mental model to be under be able to understand how you can enter into entrepreneurship on all those different levels. And all of them can be totally valid depending yeah. on what you're doing. A hundred percent. And I think another, uh, another good kind of diagnostic or, or metric, um, 
I promised I'd talk about an economist, so you know I don't want to leave anybody feeling bad if I don't. <laughs> so a guy named John Hawkins in the early 2000s. We've talked about him before on the podcast. Um, he's the one who cur- uh, ter- coined this term of the creative economy. Um, and it was kind of, he was, he was seeing all this stuff happening with like the advent of the internet and websites and proliferation of things. And he was like, actually like economic practices are, are, are different than they used to be. You used to have to be like the Rockefellers, right? And that's how you could have like any sort of economic ability. Now you can just be some person in their basement or a spare bedroom starting a website and selling something to somebody somewhere else. Yeah. Like, oh, I make hot sauce, I've got a website, and now I can ship it to Singapore and Iceland mm-hmm. and Australia. Um, and so he's like, the, the, the economic landscape has changed entirely. Mm-hmm. And what it was was actually a whole lot more empowering. So if you look at the past and you look at things, um, like, you know, you had the Medici family, and they're like, here's all this money, artists. Y'all can now go make things. Like, that idea of patronage... Um, actually got democratized very heavily because now my patronage could come from many various people in many various places. Um, and so uh, it, it actually allowed for a different economic activity to happen. And one of the things that John Hawkins uh, kind of put forward is like there's these sort of three things that have to happen for us to really have a creative economic space. Um, the first one is we have to understand that all people have the ability to be creative. So we can't say there's a culturally elite group of folks who can do the creative thinking, who have the ideas, and everybody else is just some, you know, unwashed mass. Uh, the second one is that that creativity has to be played out in the market. More or less, we have to give it a democratic voice where we can vote with our money on what those ideas, mm-hmm. which ones are good or bad. Because we will ultimately put our money where our mouth is when we purchase mm-hmm. or pay for buy a piece of art, support through a concert, whatever it is. And the third one was freedom. And this is the one that always trips folks up because when we talk about freedom, folks are always like, oh, yeah, just I hear the bald eagles screeching and and it's, uh, you know, America or whatever. It's like that's not the freedom we're talking about. We're talking about the fact that you can sit in your studio for 12 hours a day because you did not have to feed the sheep, plow the field, cut the wood, build the house. You are free from those things. Mm-hmm because they're provided so you can actually exist within a space where you can think up new ideas. And that's, that's a highly, like that's, it's a very good space to be in Mm -hmm. when you think about it. Um, you know, we, we probably all have grandparents or great grandparents who there may have been stories about like, Oh, before I went to school, I'd get up at four in the morning. I'd have to do these chores then I'd walk to school and when I got home, I had to chop wood so that we could cook dinner. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we don't have those experiences. Yeah. We don't have them. But what we can do is say, hey, at five in the morning, I woke up and I walked out to my studio and I did some painting. At, you know, 10 o'clock at night, I was able to go up into the office and do some design work. Because we have the freedom. We yeah. have the space for it. We have yeah. the freedom from certain things so that we can have freedom into others. Yeah. And that's, that's a, a thing I think we have to just kind of realize is that, you know, at the, at the base level, we are creative. Uh, people tell us whether or not they like what we do with their money. Mm-hmm. And uh, I say money and time. Money and time, yeah. yeah. So whatever sort of thing has value, mm-hmm. they, they provide a, a value vote. Mm-hmm. And then um, we also exist in a society that's, that's so free that we can do something like go to art school for four to six years and work in a studio yeah. and do that. And, like, that's, that's not anything that was happening two or 300 years ago. No. Not even, not even, 
Not even a hundred, really. Yeah, in America. Yeah. Well, hey, I think that's a good place to, yeah, kind of draw a bow on this kind of intro to this conversation mm-hmm. and a, kind of a contextual backdrop as we kind of tease some of this out into conversations with actual actual guests. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. So hopefully you'll hear a lot of the same kind of ideas pop up, and you'll yep. see that the the space of entrepreneurship is much bigger, mm-hmm. uh, much more varied, and probably a lot more democratized than maybe you thought at the beginning. And hopefully, you know, anecdotally and idiosyncratically interesting and inspiring to listeners to generate imaginative ways that they may be able to do more with what they've got. Maybe you're struggling and you need some um, inspiration to figure out how can I get my, my work out there. Yeah. Or maybe, you know, maybe you've got a friend who's like, uh, I, I'm making this up, who who has always wanted to, you know, do some kind of bookstore or some kind of computer store and they've got this mm-hmm. makeshift space down the street they'd like to lease. And maybe you split the lease with them and it's a gallery and a, you know, like you, yeah. it's just to say like, um, it's, the hope is that uh, we, we move through these and uh, there's uh, folks are provoked mm-hmm. uh, to think afresh on where opportunity lies and not merely assume and rely on the sort of already assumed power structures and in mm-hmm. ways in which things presently exist. Yeah. So to generate new possibility. Yeah. So hundred percent. Yep. Well, like we said, uh, check us out for some more episodes about this with some other folks who'll be talking about it. And as always, you are a great audience. We love you very much and we will catch you next time. Peace. You've been listening to Shaco art speak, a production of Shaco art space. We are an independent nonprofit art gallery in Richmond, Virginia, We can be found online at ShacoArtSpace.com and in real life in historic Shaco Bottle.